0: Please bow your heads um, as we prepare for the reading of the scripture. Lord, we pray that you would soften our hearts to hear your voice in the scripture that we read together this morning, and in the words that you speak to us through Matt as he preaches. We pray that he would be your watering can and that we would be fertile soil, ready to hear what you would say to us, however hard that may be. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning's scripture comes from 1 Corinthians 1, verses 1 through 9. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Charlie, it's not working, so do your best. I not working, so. Just do your best, thanks. I don't think there are any images or anything. Uh, if you've been with us over the last few years, we, I have been doing a series um, called The Great Letters, and um it was Romans, Revelation, and Hebrews. Those are letters not written for as specific purposes, as specific purposes as many of the other letters in the New Testament. And so what I'm calling a series on Corinthians is the not-so-great letters, and it's not because they're not important. It's not because they don't have just as much to teach us, but it's because the circumstances of the letters are um, very, very different. In Galatians, there is a teacher saying, you must follow the law and specifically be circumcised. And Paul says, I wish the people that would say that would emasculate themselves. I'm not getting exaggerating, or paraphrasing. In Philippians, which is actually a very joyful letter, Paul says, those of you that think that your righteousness, now I'm paraphrasing. Those of you that think that your righteousness means something, merits something before God, misunderstand that your righteousness is street trash. And now I'm actually making the language more gentle. In Corinthians, he says, in regards to one of the many problems plaguing this church, not even pagans act this way. It's his way of, in pen, going, people, stop it. So, The not-so-great letters are not less great, but the circumstances surrounding them are. But Paul begins the way that he often begins his letters, which is, remember who you are and whose you are. You're part of the church of God. Remember where you are in Corinth. The Bible, most of its books, is very mundane, very local, very interested in, Reminding us over and over again that it's a, a, a text written in space and time to specific people. Why do we need to know that Jeremiah is from Ephrathah? I think that's how you pronounce that. Because he was. And there are some books that are less interested in that than others, like the book of Job or Ecclesiastes, but it's a good reminder to us, and it helps us integrate the truth of the gospel in our locality. He reminds them that they have already been matured, sanctified, I'm in verse two, in Christ Jesus. This is one of the challenges um, mentally of, of Christianity is to believe and then integrate the truth that Jesus has already done the work. But this deliberate use of past tense verb to remind us whose we are and who we are. Part of the church of God in our place, sanctified in Christ, called to be saints. Drawing upon this language and several others, one of the confessions that, that I appreciate is called the Heidelberg Catechism and reminds us with a bit more fl- flourishing language, but drawing upon this scripture what is your only comfort? in life and death. And my version of it's some old language. Some of you will appreciate that, others not. What's your only comfort in life and death? That I with body and soul, both in life and in death, am not my own, but belong unto my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who with his precious blood hath fully satisfied for all my sins and delivered me from all the power of the devil and so preserves me that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Yea, that all things must be subservient to my salvation. That's Romans 8. All things must work together for good. And therefore by his Holy Spirit he also assures me of eternal life and makes me sincerely willing and ready henceforth to live unto him. It's a longer way of uh, a longer way of saying and unpacking the things that Paul's getting at in verses one through three. I saw a lovely summary, some of you might have seen it on um, Twitter, summarizing Paul's letters, and it says, Grace to you, I'm thankful for you. Hold fast to the gospel. For the love of all that's holy, stop doing stupid things. Timothy says hi. And if you've read Paul's letters, you know that's a pretty good summary. And I don't like the negative language of that, but if you read Corinthians, Paul uses very negative language to get their attention. There are people in the church suing one another, and he's like, can't somebody help you work this out? There's some immorality that we'll unpack later, and he says, not even pagans (laughs) would allow this. And he says you actually need to remove that person from the church, and he he says it at least three times using uh, different kinds of harsh language to get their attention. But before he gets to all that, he's reminding them of who they are and whose they are. And in that, he's reminding them of the mystery that you are not only united to God by faith, you are not only given one another as a community of faith, you're actually united to Christians, as Simon uh, reminded us at the opening of the service. You are united to Christians not only all around the globe, but throughout history. It's part of the lovely mystery of faith. Grace and peace to the new converts. I mean, one of the differences of the the Corinthian letter, if you compare it to Galatians, I think there are more new followers of God. Many of the converts in the early church were followers of God, but they didn't know about Jesus, and so the receiving of the gospel wasn't their introduction to morality, wasn't their introduction to the things and matters of God. But for the Corinthians, many of them, it was. I think that's part of the reason they had such different issues within the Corinthian church. And I love that Paul gives thanks to God always for them. And again, if you're familiar with Corinthians, it's remarkable that he thanks God for them because some of them were very obnoxiously sinful. Things that we it's, it's not totally clear what's happening when Paul talks about the communion in 1 Corinthians 11, but it seems to indicate that some people are drinking way more wine than they're supposed to at communion. So when I say that it's an obnoxious church, I'm not exaggerating, I don't think, those of you that read Corinthians. And it's remarkable that Paul's pray, thanking God for them. It's remarkable that he's modeling something that we get to learn from in the Holy Spirit's providence, which is we get to thank God for one another. Some of harder to thank God for some, for some of us more than for others. And that's part of our opportunity to grow. He says a number of times in this little passage, In Christ Jesus. That's one of the beauties. Dozens of times in the New Testament, this beautiful little phrase that is the gospel, is what we receive. It means you're known by Him, loved, forgiven, found, and liked. It's not abstract, it's specific. And it comes up over and over and over again in this letter. It was given you in Christ Jesus. He says it again in verse 2 and in verse 4. And then he says that there, in every way you are enriched in him in all speech and knowledge. And if you've read Corinthians, the second time that you, came, that you read it, perhaps you noticed that he's being Subtle, perhaps indirect. One of the problems that they were having was the wealthy and those that were just barely scraping by were having trouble relating to one another. I know that's, none of us struggle with that, but they did, because they were less evolved. They were jealous. Some of them thought that their wealth meant more about their status than it actually did. So Paul's giving this subtle statement to talk about true wealth, which is knowing the Lord and being known by him and then treating. All of our neighbors is made in his image. This is perhaps Paul reversing Jesus' state, not reversing like undoing it, but his version of John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In every way, I'm in verse 5, you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge. Not only do we receive... um, The gospel, not only do we receive Christ as our own and and we are his, we also receive his guidance in speech and knowledge. We know how to live, to speak, to think, to be. And this is not the Bible being controlling. Remember, the Bible gives two options. It's either your way or his way. There's not a neutral option. It's such a lovely benefit of the gospel that we not only receive heaven and eternity with God, but guidance here. Even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, over time, having received the gospel, our lives begin to reflect that. And our hearts are increasingly at peace concerning it. One of the most humbling things about being a pastor is watching people respond to the incredible trials of their life. Some come to faith through incredible suffering. Others leave the church through it. And it's scary to me. When I was sick, I wondered. I had uh, cancer in 2009, and I'm, I'm good. But I wondered if it would shake my faith. It changed my faith. It grew my faith, but I was nervous about that. What happens over time is our faith is confirmed in us. In our mind and our emotions and our very being. Paul's reminding them of that part of the good news. This is a few years after he had been with the Corinthians. They have written him a letter and he's heard verbal testimony. He's written them a letter that we don't have which makes Corinthians a challenge to understand though it's actually a very clear letter. I read it earlier this week. It takes about 45 minutes to read it if you read it at my speed um, which I'm sure some of you read faster and some slower. It's actually a pretty, pretty clear Book, but we don't know all of what Paul said to them before so when he reminds them even as the testimony about Jesus was confirmed among you he's encouraging them and they have other language about that that's lost to us but by extension is encouraging to us if you've been a Christian for a long time I imagine that your faith has been confirmed there are less things that I'm sure about than when I was 28 but those things that I am sure about I'm more sure about And that's the Holy Spirit confirming them in me. And I hope that you have had some version of that because these words are for all those who are in Christ. Grace and peace to the new converts who lack nothing, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Some people in the church were jealous of some gifts, and this this has to do with all sorts of problems that were happening. Their worship services were very disruptive. Um, And some people were thinking higher of some gifts than others. And so Paul is, again, subtly beginning to explain to them that all the gifts are worthwhile in the body of Christ so that you are not lacking in any gift. The, the, The large problem that all of these are pieces of is unity within the church. Even as they were struggling with partiality, rich and poor with some wild morality issues legal disputes and Paul's going to give a very obvious um, fix to this and that's the famous chapter First Corinthians 13 after he teaches about partiality and the legal dispute and the moral issues the antidote to them is love And I know that sounds simple, and I know it sounds a little bit like a Hallmark card. It's also true. Love is for the other. Love is being willing to not put the relationship on the line when we disagree, or when one of us is caught in sin. When Paul says, you don't lack any gift, this, by extension, is incredibly encouraging to us. If you're a follower of Christ... Right this second, you have everything you need to worship him, to love the neighbors God has put into your life, and do some good in the world and in your church. Yes, we could all grow in our knowledge of the scriptures. One of the most wonderful things about preparing sermons is I end up studying the scriptures often. And it's good for my head and for my emotions and for my life. But right now, I have everything I need to worship him to love the neighbors he's put into my life, and to do some good in the world. Sometimes people ask me, um, sometimes more subtly than others, if I'm going to do like a series on relationships or current events or something like that. And the reason that I don't is the truth of God and the truth of God's word empowering us then leads us into those questions, relational questions of wisdom and extended family and work in the world. The truth of God equips us to approach those things wisely. If your marriage could use some help, among the things that it needs is regular corporate worship where you remind your heart and your soul about the things of God, thereby giving it peace. We need to learn to celebrate the good in our life and grieve the sad things in our life. And the way that God equips us to do that is reminding us who we are and whose we are, and reminding us of the truths of the gospel. Those things you need more than my best shot at relational health, how to f- make friends and influence people. Would just be a terrible series for me. You know that it would. Grace and peace to these new converts who lack nothing as they await the return of Christ. This comes up over and over and over and over again in the New Testament. So that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Some of the most profound parts of our faith are invisible. They're remembering, which we talked about, and they're waiting. And waiting for a Christian actually doesn't look like waiting. It looks like not waiting to act like a Christian. But the reason we're not waiting to act like a Christian is because we're waiting for Jesus to come back and set all things to rights. And maybe that's not how you would... Give urgency to your people. But it is how the New Testament authors remind us not to wait to love the people in our lives. Not to wait to forgive. Not to wait to be generous with our stuff. And again, take what Paul's saying in verse 8. Who will sustain you to the end. Perhaps this is The easiest thing to take away from these nine verses will God quit on you? No. That is sweet and good news. Would you pray with me? God, we praise and thank you for these truths that you led Paul to write to the Corinthian believers. We ask that we would integrate them into our lives, that we would believe and believe more deeply that we are in fact in Christ Jesus, that we have every gift needed, that we're indeed enriched in him and guided in speech and knowledge. Lord, I ask for the many in this room that are in that are disoriented i ask that you confirm your testimony in their lives I ask that you give them a sense of how you're comforting and guiding them in their grief and disorientation lord those of us that are in fact oriented and confident in you. Would you let us also know that that is under your sovereignty and help us to celebrate it. Lord, we believe, help us to believe deeply in you and your gospel. Amen.